I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live in the studio is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! This is so cool! We're in your little studio! It's so fun! Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am very ready. Alright, let's give it a whirl! Okay, and I'd like to have a moment to give a big shout out to our listeners and the people who are so wonderful out there. We actually had dinner with two of you last night. It was so awesome. And I just want you guys to know how much we love you and appreciate you listening every week and telling your friends about us. And it's just wonderful. You guys are awesome. Yes, uh, thank you so much to uh, all the uh, listening people out there. Uh, we wish that we could have dinner with each and every one of you. Um, so uh, for those of you who uh, have not listened to the podcast before, I will tell you a little bit of how uh, we do things around here. Uh, in a moment, I will give the astrological birth data of a random historical figure to my mother. Now, you, the listening audience, already know who this historical figure is. It is in the title of today's episode. I, of course, know who it is because I selected this person. But Mom has no idea who this person could be. Uh, so, in a moment, I will give her the data necessary to create an astrological birth chart. That is the birth date time and location of this mystery history guest. She will then input that data into the bat computer and out will come the astrological birth chart, where all of the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment this person was born. She will then do her best to give us an initial reading of that chart, telling us all the different aspects of the person's character, personality, traits, fortunes. Uh, I will then reveal to her who our mystery history guest is, and then and give a little background about the person, and we will uh, summarize how well uh, the chart predicted what that person would do. So, without any further ado, let us begin. All right. Uh, so this is a female. Okay. Uh-huh. Born on the 25th. 
of November. Yes. 1846. Ooh, 1846. All right. And I was able to get a birth time for this person. Not exactly sure how accurate it is, but we'll roll with it. Of 7.30 p.m. All right. Okay, and where? The United States. All right. Location? Little Hickman, Kentucky. All right. Very good. So again, this is a female born November 25th, 1846, 7.30 p.m., Little Hickman, Kentucky. Oh, interesting. I'm going to start on this chart with uh, noting that the rising sign for this time of birth is uh, Cancer at 14 degrees, which puts her seventh house cusp in Capricorn at 14 degrees. <clears throat> All right. Her, I'm going to go to the north node, which is in Libra at 27 degrees, and her Chiron is in Libra at 19 degrees. So she doesn't have Chiron conjunct her north node by degree, but it is by sign and it is in the fourth house. So what she has to work on, which is very interesting, is the home the community, the uh, her environment, um, everything that has to do with location, where you call home. All right. In this situation, it's in Libra in the fourth house. So I would assume that... Uh, her home was pretty. <laughs> but as you can see right here, um, her, her fourth house cusp is actually Virgo. You see this? Mm -hmm. Okay. So even though it changes right away, in, in Placidus houses, it's never equal. So it's more accurate, I think. Um, it's the way I was trained. So some people feel better about having exact equal houses. I like doing Placidus, but her, her, her fourth house cusp is actually Virgo. So, um, in that, in that light, uh, I want to say that the, since she has Chiron and North Node, in Libra, in her fourth house, that the house cusp is Virgo. There's some work involved there regarding the home or the area uh, that she's in is her work. Her, like, well, she, she, it could be any, I mean, it could be very simple. She could be like a farmer, you know, like she would have to work at her house, at her home. But also she has Chiron there and Chiron would be uh, the wounded healer. So in this situation, because she has Chiron and North Node in the fourth house in Libra, 
There's something that she has to overcome there. There's something karmic or something in early life that she has to overcome with Chiron being there. Uh, it could be anything that has to do with the home. It could be something as drastic as her childhood home burned down. Um, or she had some emotional sadness regarding the home. But North Node is also what you have to work on. It's your direction. It's what you're supposed to do. It is the opposite of what you're used to, right? So in this situation, she is supposed to work on her community, her home. There is something about this and, and it's in Libra. So it deals with possibly negotiations or um, beautification, um, uh, uh, being an arbitrator of some sort. That's my first view on that. Okay. So I'm going to go back to first house, which is cancer. Okay. Her second house, which is Leo, her third house, which is also Leo. You see this right here, Chandler? Yes. Okay. So this is her third house cusp. So she has second and third house cusps in Leo. All right. Which is also going to put the opposite going on over here. Right. And then uh, her fourth house cusp is Virgo. There, she doesn't have anything in the first, second or third houses. She has the Chiron and North Node in the fourth house. And then she has a pretty interesting fifth house because her fifth house is um, Scorpio. All right. She doesn't have her. See how Libra falls right inside of this Virgo and this Scorpio because mm -hmm. it's Placidus houses. So technically she doesn't have a Libra uh, cusp. That means she probably doesn't have an Aries cusp either. Okay. So uh, her Mars is at seven degrees Scorpio. Okay. Her Venus is at 28 degrees Scorpio and her sun is in Sag. Her sun is at three degrees Sag. So being three degrees Sag, we still have, you know, like it's five degrees each way. So she still has some Scorpio, you know, leaning into her sun. All right. Um, Mars, Venus and sun in the fifth house, which is ruled by Scorpio. Okay. So, uh, that's a lot for the fifth house because the fifth house is ruled by Leo, which is also ruled by romance. Uh, and with that Scorpio there, I would think perhaps she was, uh, very romantic. Um, I would think that she was, um, uh, very in love with love, uh, possibly, um, involved in some sort of entertainment. I just don't know with that Scorpio there in that fifth house, it could be leadership also because it's Leo, but that Scorpio makes me feel very romantic with her Mars and her Venus and her sun all in that fifth house. So like she could really, um, entertain and be very capable of, of writing romance novels or I don't know, something I would, I would assume that with her cancer rising, she was very feminine. I would think, um, very, maybe, 
I don't know, I just feel feminine from her. Now, her sixth house cusp is Sagittarius, and she has Mercury there. Mercury at 24 degrees Sagittarius in the sixth house. Her work has to do with communication. Um, her work is communication. has to do with an intellect. Um, I would assume that she is very intellectual, very uh, well-read, or if not educated properly, then educated through her work, educated in a way where uh, her her brilliance comes from uh, whatever she's been trained in for work. Somehow that has something to do with it. I don't know. Uh, her seventh house cusp is Capricorn, and she does not have anything in that house. Her eighth house cusp is is uh, Aquarius, and she has Saturn conjunct Neptune in Aquarius. Wow, in the eighth house. Okay, so I would assume that she was not your average lady, that she was more ahead of her time. She was... Uh, very creative with her intellect, possibly a teacher of philosophy or philosophies or um, future thinking, technology maybe. Um, eighth house is ruled by Pluto and Scorpio. Having Neptune there also would be creative, but in Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, which is kind of futuristic. Um, her moon is in the ninth house in Pisces, which would make her very creative, <laughs> very, a very creative person. This, sh this person should be very creative. Uh, moon in Pisces makes her, uh, again, I just feel like she's very feminine. Um, maybe not though. I mean, but I, that's what I feel and, uh, very creative and creative in a way that maybe is brand new for not just a woman, but maybe for anybody. Um, her 10th house, she has Uranus and Pluto, uh, conjunct. She has Uranus in Aries and Pluto in Aries. Uh, they are conjunct by sign. They are not conjunct by degree. But then we have this Aries on the 10th house, which is your career. And her midhaven is 26 degrees Pisces. So maybe people didn't realize what kind of fire she had in her belly. Like, she has real fire in her belly. She is a person that, eesh, you, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> uh, she's not afraid. She is fearless. She is fearless, and it looks like she's fearless in her career. So that's very interesting. Uh, but boy, that Pluto and Uranus and Aries, the war god, 
in the tenth house, this is not someone who's going to go down without a fight. Um, and then Taurus on the eleventh house, but there's nothing in it. But actually, look, she has Aries. Uh, she has Pisces on the tenth house, and then she has Taurus. So actually, she doesn't have Aries on the cusp of this tenth house, but that's all Aries right there in the middle of it. You know what I mean? The majority of her 10th house is Aries by degree, you know, in the chart. And then her 11th house is Taurus with nothing in there, but it would also make her very, um, uh, on the one hand, it would make her likable to other people. But on the other hand, it would make people feel like she won't give up on us. If there's some instance where she has to deal with the public, the public I would assume feels like they can trust her. Then she's got this Jupiter in Gemini in the 12th house. Jupiter is a lot. It's oh, so much more. And here's some more on top of that lots that you have there. And in Gemini is, um, oh, quick witted. Um, um, uh, very communicative, uh, in the 12th house, which is karma. So she somehow has karma with communicating big, big communication, or, you know, I would think that she was, uh, very interested in communications, uh, whether it be like a writer or, um, also in the air, like I have to look at just where Jupiter is in a chart. And if it's in an air sign or an earth sign or whatever, because I've come to realize that I really need to deal with those elements. And, uh, there's something regarding, you know, that element of air and Jupiter and having it be expensive, you know, through the air, air waves, um, all of that. And, uh, Okay, so I've gone through all of the houses. Chandler, do you have any questions? Well, I, first off, am I close? Am I even close? Yes, I, I think that there are a couple of aspects here that are uh, very uh, much what people would associate with her. Mm -hmm. uh, the fire in the belly, uh, the uh, determination, the, the fight um, is definitely something people would associate. Also, uh, communications uh, to mass groups of people as well. Um, what role would religion play in their life? Okay, well, she has moon in the ninth house, which is where you go. You go to the ninth house to look for someone's dogma, their uh, beliefs, their religion. And she has moon in Pisces there. So I would think that she is very emotionally attached to whatever her beliefs and her philosophies and her dogma and her religion are. They are part of her, like her heart. And it probably comes from her mother. Maybe. Somehow her mother had an influence in that. And it's in Pisces, so it could even be that, like, she could be, uh, like, supernatural kind of, of, of uh, belief. You know, like, she believes in the supernatural. She could believe in all of the things that have to do with, um, you know, Neptune and, and, uh, 
uh, more um, creative beliefs. Okay. Um, anything about a, a, a psychic ability? Yeah, that's it right there. This moon in Pisces, definitely. Mm-hmm. In the ninth house, mm-hmm. can definitely make her psychic. And she also has, you know, her Mars and her Venus in Scorpio in the fifth house. But Mars and Venus in Scorpio would also give her psychic abilities. And she's got uh, cancer on the first house. So all these water signs are like electrifying that ability to have the psychic. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, what role would violence play in their life? Well, um, her Mars is in Scorpio in the fifth house conjunct her venus by sign not by degree and her sun is in sagittarius so it's possible that uh oh no because then also there's this chiron in, in the fourth house it, if she had situations when she was younger or something that she had to overcome it could be but it's Libra, so I don't know. This is more where we're looking at, the Mars and the Scorpio, which is more like, um, like if it was Mars in Aries or Mars in Leo, I would think it was more violent, right? But I don't know, Scorpio can be kind of ugly, real ugly. Um, and also uh, Scorpio is hidden things and, and, and taboo things in the, in, in the childhood right in the fifth house or with romantic partners maybe so yeah it's it's possible there could be some violence there but weird violence like not coming at you straight forward more like coming at you from a a hidden direction or something or manipulative or it's something it's dark side of scorpio so it could be any kind of taboo violence or whatever And you're talking about that being inflicted upon her. Mm -hmm. What about, does she have a relationship as the inflictor of violence? Well, she does have Mars and Scorpio, so I guess she could. I mean, (laughs) Mars and Scorpio is like, Scorpios can be uh, the scariest because... They can, like a Leo and an Aries and a Sagittarius are coming right at you. They're going to come, they're going to look you in the eye and they're going to come right at you. A Scorpio Mars can hold on to that fire and let that build and walk around with you every day. And then one day they just kill you. That's how a Scorpio works. Mm-hmm. They're more um they're scarier. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd much rather have somebody come right at me than not know that I had done something or that they knew I had done something and that they were just biding their time. Just waiting for the opportune moment to stab you or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Oh, A little okay. bit. All well, right. I can see that the the her relationship with violence is 
not direct. It is mm -hmm. uh, in, in a different direction. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. I mean, for Scorpio, because Scorpio can come right at you, but uh, if you've really, really, really done something, they're going to plan it. It's going to be a plan. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be like that jump into it fiery, you know, mm. like the fire signs do. They'll come right at you. You do it, they come right at you. It's right then. It's not like, even if they have a, 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 a long fuse, right? They're still going to come right at you because they, it's their nature. Mm. For a Scorpio, their nature is not that because they are more they think about it more like i'm not sure like when you're looking at a sagittarius or a, or a leo or or an aries they're more just reacting right they're coming they're just reacting to it a scorpio is like oh oh this is what you want to do oh okay yeah give me a minute let me think this through. Because then they're going to have a plan on how they're going to get you back the worst. Mm. And they could be evil. Like Manson. Like mm -hmm. Manson, full-blown evil, you know? And godlike. He thought he was godlike, you know? So, but I don't see this in her, really. I don't I don't see that level. I mean, I'm really describing extremes here because I don't know <laughs> who we're talking about. So, I might know more after you tell me who it is. I also feel like, am I, is this woman not very feminine? Because I feel very, a lot of femininity around her. Like, she would dress in ruffles and bonnets. Uh, maybe at, at an earlier stage in her life. Oh, okay. Um, I think um, by the later stage of her life. Uh, she, and she did such masculine things that people may not have associated feminine qualities with her. Interesting. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I, having seen earlier portraits of her i can see a, a, a feminine quality oh, to her okay okay um how would she but again we might not have the time of birth right it's possible and that's why i'm looking at this cancer rising and thinking oh that's very maternal you mm. know well that's that's there there is a and but it, it there is a mothering of the of, of the community oh okay. that's there okay but wearing frills maybe not as much okay um if she saw injustice in the world what would she do well uh she does have north node in libra so that would be needing things to be fair right that she needs them to be fair if she's following her North Node. Because Libra is where you go when you want fair. Like, if you want someone out of your group to be non-partisan and to make a decision based on the information, then you're looking for the Libra. Mm -hmm. That's who you're looking for. Because they're going to be the least they're going to say in their mind, this has to be fair, and they're going to weigh the scales, and they're going to figure it out. But something happened in the beginning of her life where she's dealing with some kind of karma with that, where she has to do that. But it, I would think, you know, the the light good side of Libra is um, 
you know, balancing the scales. The the uh, But the dark side of Libra is narcissists. They just want to look at themselves because they're pretty. <laughs> they're very pretty. And so um, there's that. But, I um, mean, it sounds like I'm getting the feeling that this person was kind of fierce in, you know, protecting or something. Uh, would this person be uh, strict or easygoing? Uh, I would not think that this person would be really easygoing. Uh, they have Sun in Sagittarius and Mercury in Sagittarius. Their Sun is in the fifth house and their Mercury is in the sixth house in Sagittarius. Their moon in Pisces gives them some softness. Their Cancer rising gives them some softness. But when it comes down to brass tacks, if they're, if they're dealing with work and, 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 and that thing, then that's Aries on the 10th house. So I don't think they would be, I don't think this is a person who pussyfoots around. Mm-hmm. I think this person is like going to lay it on the line mm-hmm. and, and, and almost like draw a line and be like, mm, I wouldn't cross that if I were you, mm. you know, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Okay. I could be wrong. <laughs> I've been wrong before. Um, how would groups of women react to her? Well, she's got that tortoise on the 11th house, right? She has Taurus here. And, uh, so, um, I would like to think that women would appreciate her and would see her as kind of a champion, uh, in that if they were all fighting for something and she was the leader, they would feel she would not back down. She, let's say, I don't know who this is, but let's say this woman is somehow, I mean, it's only 1846, so I don't know where we are. I'm pretty sure we're not way far deep into uh, the women's movement of that time, you know, getting the vote. But if this woman were leading a group of women in that, they would put her at the front uh, because they know that she's not going to back down and that she would, she would get results. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. If the law was not being enforced, what would she do? She's got Sun and Mercury in Sagittarius. Sagittarians are notorious for knowing what the laws are. And, you know, if they're good, if, I mean, sometimes there's bad laws, mm-hmm. you know, but, um. If it's a law that she thinks is good. Then she's going to support it because she's not going to let that pass. That's not something that she's going, she can't. She has Sun and Mercury and Sagittarius, and Sagittarians are always, you know, law enforcers. Like, the, it's part of them. Um, what is her relationship with mental illness? 
Okay, so for there we want to go to Neptune. Neptune is in the eighth house. Conjunct Saturn. She could have some serious issues with either being involved with people who have mental illness or having some breakthrough technology with people with mental illness or having knowledge of things that are happening to people with mental illness. There's definitely a connection because Neptune can also mean drug addiction, insanity, um, alcoholism, anything that has to do with illusion, right? And not, not being able to connect, right? But sometimes people are before their time. And that's what I said about this, because it's in the eighth house. And so it's definitely, it's definitely intense because it's Neptune conjunct Saturn in the eighth house, which is the house of, you know, taboos and hidden things and, and, and revealing things and legacy and that kind of thing. Uh, what can you tell us about her mother? Her mother, she has moon in Pisces in the ninth house. I would think that her mother was probably religious. Um, don't know what religion it was, but whatever it was, it should have been something that influenced her. Uh, somehow women are involved in her religion because it's women, right? Moon is women in the ninth house in Pisces. So, uh, I would think that her mother was influential. What is her relationship to controlled substances? Well, she's got that Neptune conjunct Saturn in the eighth house in Aquarius. If she is involved with con controlled substances, they are futuristic ones. Maybe new ones. Maybe technological ones. Um, uh, um, she has Jupiter and Gemini in the 12th house. I'm just... I mean, whenever you're dealing with mental illness and you're dealing with... Uh, addictions. You look to Neptune, and she has Neptune in the eighth house, which is ruled by Scorpio, but she has it in Aquarius. Neptune can join. I mean, this could go either way. She could have lessons to learn with addiction, or she could be teaching people. You know, it, it literally could go either way right? She could be coming up with ways to teach people about mental illness or bring it to their attention, bring it to light. There's so many different ways, but there's definitely a connection between her learning or teaching about mental illness or addiction or something like that. There's definitely a connection. And it is not the way that it's always been because it's Aquarius. So it has to be new. It's different. It's a different way. It is 
possibly something no one's ever thought of before. Uh, but definitely humanitarian. Like, it could help humanity. I don't see this as being one of those things where she's, like, trying to be a totalitarian and get everybody addicted onto something. I don't know. It's possible way, way on the other side of this. But I feel more that somehow, because the Saturn, they're, they're too, they're too close, you know, Saturn and, and Neptune are right on each other, you know, 24 and 25 in the eighth house, if this is the right time of birth. So, death and rebirth, legacy, with teaching. Maybe she came up with a new way that people are still using somehow. I don't know. Does any am I am I hitting on anything? I, I, I think that there are lots of things that you're hitting on and uh, will make more sense at the end. Okay, good. Because there's so many different, you know, there's so many different facets to each thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, is there anything else about this chart that you haven't talked about already? Um, I'm really interested in this Jupiter in Gemini in the 12th house because somehow she's bringing this communication through, like it's her karma. Jupiter, this being benevolent with this Maybe it's her teaching. I don't know. It, but somehow it is her, that's her karma, to do this, bring this, and be benevolent with this, somehow, this communication, this air. Uh, are you ready for our summary? Yes. Uh, so the first thing you said was uh, working on home and community, environment, um, would have maybe a pretty home. Overcome difficulties in the home, and the home could be much larger, could be a community, a state, a country. Uh, negotiating, uh, beautification, arbitration, that is what her work is. Um, could be a, a romantic, uh, in love with love, uh, could be involved with entertainment, possibly a leader, very feminine, educated through work. Uh, not an average lady, ahead of her time, possibly a philosopher, a teacher, a futuristic, very creative. There is a fire in her belly. She is not afraid, fearless in career. She is not going down without a fight. The public feels like they can trust her. She has a quick wit, very communicative. Uh, there's karma with big communication. Emotionally attached to religion. Uh, that emotionally attachment uh, comes uh, from her mother. Um, she may have some psychic ability. Uh, there are uh, hidden things in her childhood. Uh, needs things to be fair. Could have a more strict personality. Uh, she is appreciated by women as a champion. Women in a group where she is the leader would have confidence in her per perseverance and that she would be unfailing. She would fight until the end. Uh, sh if a law that she approves of is not being enforced, she will enforce that law. Uh, she is involved with people who have mental illness. 
Uh, her mother was very religious. Uh, there's women involved with her religion. Uh, there are lessons to learn with addiction. Teach people. Bring light to addiction. Bring light to addiction in a new way to improve humanity. Is there anything that I left out? No, I don't think so. Are you ready to find out whose chart you've been reading? Yes. This is the astrological birth chart of Carrie A. Nation. I I don't know who that is. You're going to have to tell me who that so is. So Carrie A. Nation is most famous as a prohibitionist. <gasps> she would go into saloons with a hatchet. <gasps> oh, no! And bust up all of the saloons, the alcohol, the mirrors. She would go from town to town, busting up bar after bar. She was incarcerated many times. She was the flashpoint. She was the flashiness of the Prohibition movement of the early 1900s. Wow. Okay. Very interesting. All right. So, Prohibition was in full force? No. She started Prohibition. Well... There had been prohibition movements going on since the beginning of the country. Uh -huh. But as going throughout the 1800s, the problem of alcohol became such a, a, a problem in society with men drinking so much, going home, beating up their wives and children, yeah. um, that uh, it, it, it gained more and more popularity throughout the 1800s and it wasn't it was after her death that the amendment was passed the 18th amendment wow but uh, she was uh, uh, in very much involved as bringing light to the situation in uh, uh, more violent terms good maybe that's what needed to happen maybe somebody needed to turn around and start beating them up well, she didn't really hit men. She she hit them where it hurt. She, I guess so. <laughs> you don't have to hit them physically. You just have to hit them where it hurts. Yes. So if she's going in and ruining all these things, and I guess they're not hitting her. No, they're they're locking her up in jail. But well, okay. So yeah, I totally get that because um, she's got <laughs> this is she made this her career. You know, mm -hmm. Pluto conjectures in Aries in the 10th house. She just decided. And she's got that sun and Mercury and Sag and, oh, my God. She's got that Venus and Mars in Scorpio. Yeah, this woman is a force to be reckoned with. I like her. I do. I don't think anybody ever has the right, I don't care what you're on, to go beat other people that are weaker than you. Uh, if you're a man and you're beating women and children, then you're a coward. You're a big old coward and you deserve whatever you get. Uh, that's Chandler's mom and she approves this message. <laughs> uh, so... Carrie A. Nation uh, was born Caroline Amelia Moore, November 25, 1846, in Kentucky. 
Uh, her father was George Moore, and her mother was Mary Campbell. Uh, her father was a uh, successful farmer uh, most of the time, but as uh, things on life on the farm uh, can sometimes be successful, sometimes be unsuccessful, um, they would uh, move around a lot. And there are several reasons for this. Part of that was um, the economic situation. But also they believe um, that her mother suffered from mental illness, and they would have to move from town to town uh, to try and hide that from being discovered by the people in the town. Um, so they moved around a lot. Um, in 1867, uh, Carrie, against her parents' wishes, married a, a young doctor uh, made, named uh, Charles uh, Gloyd. Uh, the young doctor, uh, successful, charming, good-looking, um, but he was an alcoholic, and the parents knew this and did not want her to marry him, but she was in love and married him anyway. Uh, so she was married in 1867. They would have a child the next year, and then in 1869, uh, Dr. Charles died because of his alcoholism. Uh, this had a profound impact on uh, the young lady. Uh, she recognized that, in her mind, it was the alcohol that had poisoned him, and that alcohol that was poisoning all of society, and that was, once you got rid of alcohol, that would make society great. Um, a few years later, she remarried. Uh, she married a man named David Nation. Uh, she took his surname, making her name Carrie A. Nation. Uh, she believed that this was uh, divinely ordained, that she would have this name of Carrie A. Nation. And she was uh, determined to carry this nation out of alcoholism. Uh, the family lived in Texas for a while, uh, but then uh, moved back and settled in, in Kansas. There in Kansas, uh, she joined the Women's Christian Temperance Union there. Uh, and this was a peaceful protest movement of women all over the nation coming together to try and convince men to pass laws against alcohol. Um, in this time, in the uh, late 1800s, women could not vote. Uh, they could not hold property for themselves. They could not really speak for themselves in many cases. But the way that women could interact in the public sphere was they were uh, given, or they were supposed to have this role in the community of Republican motherhood, that they were the ones who were going to teach everyone, teach the next generation how what it is to be an American, what it is to have a better society. And so they took that role into the public sphere through these uh, temperance movement uh, rallies to try and convince uh, men who did have power to uh, pass laws against alcohol to do so. Um, that, uh, in 1870s Kansas, was a very hard thing to ask of a bunch of cowboys to tell them not to have alcohol anymore. But uh, they actually did succeed by 1890. In 1890, there was a law passed in Kansas prohibiting the sale, manufacture, and service of alcohol. Um, but nobody enforced that law. Uh, having spent many years in this peaceful protest movement, Carrie realized that that was not getting anywhere, um, that more drastic terms ha had to happen. 
On June 5th, 1900, uh, she laid, or she was about to go to bed, and she prayed to God for an answer. How do we get rid of the scourge of alcohol? And she says that God spoke to her and said, Go to Kiowa. Go to Kiowa. I will stand by you. Go to Kiowa. I will stand by you. Smash. 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 The next morning, or the morning after, on June 7th, she served her husband breakfast, and while she was making breakfast, she would go outside and she would get pieces of brick and pieces of stone and carry it in her apron. Uh, after the husband left for work, she got the horse and buggy ready, she rode to Kiowa, she then went into Dobson's saloon, and as she was uh, entering, she started singing hymns. She started saying, I will stand with you, I will stand with you. She took out the bricks and she started smashing all of the mirrors and bottles and barrels and everything throughout the whole saloon. Mr. Dodson uh, was cowering in a corner while all this was happening. <laughs> And uh, afterwards, when she was done, uh, she went to him and she said, I am done now. Um, and then she left. And as she was leaving, she says that there is a 15-year-old boy who was cheering uh, that she had done this, that she had th – this was an illegal institution. According to the law of Kansas, no one should be selling alcohol. That's right. And she went in and she got rid of all the alcohol. And because she only destroyed – the alcohol, the police couldn't do anything mm -hmm. because she was destroying an illegal substance. That's awesome. So she went into other bars and she did the same thing. And then uh, later that day, as she was leaving to go back to her home, there was a tornado that uh, was rumbling in the distance. And she took that as another sign from God that she had done what God had told her to do. Um, a few months later, in December, she went to uh, Wichita. She went to the Hotel Carry, and she did the same thing. She brought bricks and stones, and she, this was the most elegant hotel saloon in all of Kansas. And she smashed all of the alcohol in there, but she went a little further, and she smashed the mirror in the back, and she smashed um, the uh, 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 picture of Cleopatra uh, that was uh, hanging above the bar. Uh, because she did that, she had actually done damage to property. Uh, so the police did have uh, authority to arrest her. Uh, the police, uh, as they were arresting her for defacing property, she said, I am defacing nothing. I am destroying. I love her. I love her. Uh, they then... Uh, <laughs> They then locked her uh, in jail, and as uh, she was going to jail, she said, You put me in here a cub, but I will come out a lion, and I will make hell howl. Yes! She's the best. I like her a lot. Uh, so uh, she got out of jail, and later that day went into another bar and smashed and smashed and smashed. Yes! Um... Her husband, uh, David Nation, uh, did not really approve of all of this behavior. Uh, but one of the last things they did before they got a divorce was he was making fun of her and said, you might have uh, better luck if you have a hatchet. 
And she said, that's the only good thing you've ever said to me in the whole time we've been married. Yes. And so she uh, then got a hatchet and she would go across Kansas, across the nation, going into saloons with her hatchet, tearing uh, up all these saloons. And she called these uh, gatherings hatchetations. Yes. Um, eventually, this became such a problem in Kansas that uh, she was asked to go to the state capitol to talk to the governor. And the governor talked to her and said, you need to know your place as a woman. This is not what you're supposed to be doing. Uh-oh. Uh, and so she, she said, you're not doing your job. You're not enforcing the laws of this state. Yes. Alcohol is illegal. She left the governor's office and called for the largest hatchetation up to that point. And women from across the state, across the nation, started gathering to her, bringing bricks and stones and hatchets to go into all the saloons everywhere that they could find to bust up all of these bars. That is so awesome. Um, she became so famous for doing this that a lot of saloons... Uh, started putting up signs in the back of their bar that said, all nations are welcome here except Carrie. <laughs> um, she uh, would eventually uh, take her, her celebrity uh, into vaudeville houses and try and lecture the people in vaudeville houses about uh, the awfulness of alcoholism. Uh, this did not go over well in many... <laughs> vaudeville houses um but she toured the nation she toured uh, europe um she uh this this these violent or uh, the defacing and destruction of property that she was involved with um it's easy for someone to look at that and say oh well that's how we got prohibition and really it's this huge uh movement that took generations to get to the 18th amendment um but uh, uh, she definitely created a, a, a new way of looking at the problem and, and really inspired uh, people to make laws against it. States were, I mean, Kansas had already passed laws against its states. Individual states continued to pass laws for themselves. And then, uh, although she never lived to see it, the 18th Amendment would pass in 1918. And what's really interesting about this is that the the same organizations of women that wanted uh, uh, prohibition, they learned all of this uh, social activism and took that to get the vote. Yes. So women got the right to vote and prohibition were passed at the same time. Yes. Um, w American women uh, realized the power that they had uh, through both of these movements. Um. Carrie died in, in 1911. She died seven years before the amendment that she would have loved so much had passed. And maybe it's a little better that she hadn't seen that amendment because the years that happened after that amendment were passed, where alcohol was illegal in the United States, were some of the most violent in American history. That's because true. now that you made alcohol completely illegal, that meant that only criminals were in charge of the distribution of alcohol. So you had the rise of people like Al Capone mm -hmm. and all of the brutal murders that happened all across the nation um, and all of the illegal activity. Uh, eventually leading to the 21st Amendment, uh, where alcohol was again legal. But it was not legal in Kansas. 
Kansas continued to have its law against the sale, manufacture, service of alcohol until 1948. Wow. And it did not have anything approaching modern alcohol laws until the 1980s. Wow. Uh, the legacy of Carrie Nation, of course, we like to see the picture of her with her hatchet. We like to hear the stories of her busting up these places, but... She was trying to combat a, the, the, the scourge of addiction, mm -hmm. the scourge of, of alcoholism. Mm -hmm. And she did lots of things for prisoners to try and rehabilitate prisoners. Mm -hmm. um, she created some of the first battered women's homes, or at least helped to create the first battered women's homes in Kansas uh, to try and help society. Um, Religion was so important to her, and she saw that as the way for people to get out of addiction. Mm -hmm. And whether you believe in a higher power or not, one of the surest ways to get out of addiction is through a spiritual awakening. That is what the whole 12-step program and what the uh, AA programs are about, is right. trying to artificially create a spiritual awakening right. to get yourself out of addiction. Right. So a lot of the ingredients were there, but maybe were not uh, uh, implemented in the correct way. <laughs> Um, but a truly uh, remarkable woman, a truly uh, pioneering uh, woman in um, trying to combat the evils that she saw in the world. Wow. Carrie A. Nation. That is amazing. I have to say I was not aware of her. And although I do not, I personally would not do what she did because... I feel that, you know, there's plenty of people, and I'm not going to say men, I'm because there are men that get beat by women too. I think violence is something that was condoned, whether it was instigated by alcohol or not, that if you had a wife, that was your property, and if you had children, that was your property, and you could beat it like you could, you know, a donkey if you wanted to. That was up to you as a man. Luckily... Uh, the world is a little bit different now, although these things do happen in homes all the time. Uh, and most of us don't even know what's going on. I have to say, this woman is definitely impressive to me, and I see it. I mean, she's got that Pluto conjunct Uranus in the 10th house. She was serious. This was her career. She thought she was like God's army. Like, she was God's general, you know, in this situation. And, you know, it's possible that she had some mental illness because you know her mother had mental illness and it does you know maybe run in the family i don't know but um yeah this this situation with saturn conjunct neptune in aquarius in the eighth house legacy with addiction and teaching right very interesting i'm really glad you pulled this up because i i have Honestly, I don't remember ever learning about her, but I sure do like her. Uh, she's very brave, possibly crazy, and she got something done. You know, I'm not sure that what she did, like you said, once we got to prohibition, it wasn't really, it's just a business, you know. Mm -hmm. It's up to each individual how mm -hmm. much they consume and what they do and mm -hmm. whatever you're addicted to. If you're addicted to sugar or you're addicted to alcohol or you're addicted to cocaine, whatever, addiction is addiction. You could be addicted to social media, you know, 
any kind of addiction is bad, so. But I do like her. I think she's a very, very interesting woman. Good job, Chandler. Thank you. <laughs> uh, well, uh, on our scale of right on the money to way out in outer space, I think this is another one right on the money. Uh, I think that this uh, really explains uh, a lot about her. I think uh, uh, from, you know, the mental illness parts, uh, that seeing addiction uh, and as her cause, seeing herself as God's a uh, uh, tool in the world. I think that all, all, ch- and women, groups of women, uh, uh, seeing her as their champion, mm-hmm. um, all there. Uh, it all makes sense. Yeah. This is amazing. Another really good choice, Chandler, and excellent research. Really good. Very, very, um, interesting information. Uh, well, that concludes this episode of History in Retrograde. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to uh, support the uh, show, uh, we are available on socials. All those links are included in the show description. Uh, we also have a link to our, uh, our PayPal account there. If you're feeling extra generous, uh, any amount uh, helps us in uh, producing a better quality show and growing our audience. Uh, if you are listening on to this on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, um, please give us a, a rating and review. This is a podcast all about stars, so please give us those five stars if you can. And uh, as always, in conclusion, as long as uh, your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine. Everything's going to be just fine. And thank you all so much for listening. We love you guys so much. Please send us um, messages through email and let us know what you think about the show. We're very interested in hearing your feedback. And thank you for listening and for sharing the show. And we will be back again with a new show next week. Yes, we will. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.